This is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for joining us. A little later in the show, we are going to talk about Christmas music. We're going to do it in a little bit of a different way. We're not going to talk about Christmas songs you like and look forward to this time of year. We're going to talk about the Christmas music that gets on your nerves, the songs you really can't stand and turn the channel when you hear each of us, I know, has a song that just drives us up the wall this time of year. And uh, we're starting to hear them as radio stations that uh, play 24-hour Christmas music turn to that format uh, right in advance of the Thanksgiving holiday. So that's going to be a fun segment we will have get started at about uh, 940. But first today, this was a big week for billionaire Dan Gilbert. He sold Greektown Casino for $1 billion. Rumors swirled that he's maybe interested in buying the Detroit Tigers from the Illich family. And interestingly, he bought both Dictionary.com and Thesaurus.com. Dan Gilbert is somebody whose every move we are a little obsessed with, and there are good reasons for that. Uh, he owns more real estate in downtown Detroit than anyone else, and he is constructing what will be the largest skyscraper in the state on the old Hudson site. So what's he up to with these latest moves? Joining us to talk about Dan Gilbert and his influence and uh, power over the city that we live in is John Gallagher. He is a business columnist for the Detroit Free Press. John, welcome to Detroit. Thank you, Stephen. Good morning. Yeah. So let's start with the Greektown uh, deal. He bought that not that long ago. Uh, Why is he selling it now? Well, that's a good question. He uh, he bought it in early 2013. He said it was more of a defensive move because Greektown was in trouble at that time, as you recall, in bankruptcy and so on, uh, sort of deteriorating, bad morale, all that. And Gilbert had so much else going on downtown that he said he bought it just to kind of uh, not have it drag down everything else that he did. And he's put a lot of money into it. It's picked up. Uh, it's in better shape. So he sold it for a billion dollars. So um, you could say it was a rescue that worked. Uh, my view is that he probably needs the liquidity. I think a lot of what he owns, <clears throat> he's a very wealthy guy. Um, Forbes estimates he's worth $7 billion and, and change. A lot of that's uh, on paper mm-hmm. and, and doesn't generate cash necessarily. Uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers, for example, are worth well over a billion dollars, uh, supposedly, but um, doesn't. it seems to break even at best operationally. It may even be losing a little bit of money operationally. So, uh, and his Quicken Loans, which is the mothership that generates uh, the bulk of his profits, I think, <clears throat> you know, they do a lot of refi business, mortgage refi, and his interest rates are rising. Uh, we don't see as many refis, so he may be seeing uh, his margins squeezed a little bit there. So I think selling Greektown Casino is a, is a liquidity move for him, raises a lot of cash. And, and uh, he made some cash off of this, too. Uh, he paid a lot less than a billion dollars for it in 2013, isn't that right? Right, right. And he, he told me the other night uh, when we talked that uh, there's 400 billion or 400 million, excuse me, <laughs> uh, dollars in debt on it, and that the tax man has to take a cut, too. And of course, he's got some partners. So we don't know exactly. This is, you know, these are privately held companies. But mm-hmm. my guess is he's going to clear at least a few hundred million, if not several hundred million from this. And so the, the pivot from there in some people's minds, and I have to admit that I'm one of them, is maybe to the idea of buying something else around town. And the Detroit Tigers seem to be coming up uh, in people's minds and, and in conversations. He would have to divest from all of his gambling holdings in order to own an, an MLB team. And Greektown was not the only one. He's got some casinos in Ohio, I know. 
But is that something that uh, he's looking at? Is that something that is maybe percolating in the background in our city? Well, it's certainly percolating in the background uh, among all of us who follow the Tigers and follow Gilbert. <laughs> uh, he, he has said uh, there's nothing in the works. Uh, the Illages have, who own the team, the Illich family, have said they're not interested in selling. Uh, and yet these rumors continue to swirl uh, for whatever reason. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, the, the Illages have owned the team for, what, about 30 years now mm-hmm. and were viewed as uh, saviors when they bought it from, when Mike Illich bought it from Tom Monahan. And it's interesting that a lot of people are now looking at Gilbert in the same sort of way. He would be wonderful if he bought the Tigers. He's got a lot of energy. Uh, the Illich ownership has seems to have taken the Tigers as far as they can. Uh, and it'd be great to see this very energetic uh, still somewhat youthful uh, Dan Gilbert uh, by the team and see what he could do with it. So yeah, I think a lot of people would like it if it happened. I mean, I think I would be intrigued by it if it happened, and, and I think he'd be a different owner than the Illiches. But I'm not sure, you know, if you ask people in Cleveland about the Cavs, I think they run hot and cold on his ownership there. He's done some really great things, like bringing a championship to that city, was something that they hadn't had in in basketball before. But the team now is not very good. They lost LeBron for the second time. Uh, the, the spat he had with LeBron uh, when he left the first time, I think, left a bitter taste in a lot of people's mouths. I'm not sure how good he would be. as an, What would be better, I guess, if, if in practical terms, if he owned the team? He'll just spend a lot of money on that team. Right. He may not spend it terribly wisely all the time. But uh, <laughs> but wh- how how would he be a different owner? Well, I think he, he would be out front a lot more. Uh, you know, I, I, I say that, uh, you know, I knew Mike Illich somewhat. I interviewed him half a dozen times over, over you know, 25, 30 years. Uh, sometimes I, I talk to Gilbert four or five times a month. He's mm-hmm. out there all the mm-hmm. time. He's at panel discussions. He calls reporters and complains about their stories. Uh, you know, he's just out there all the time. And he's making moves all the time that are interesting, like buying dictionary.com, which I guess we'll talk about in, yeah. in a minute. So I think the difference is he would he would just be out there. His, his spat with... Uh, LeBron James was very public, uh, got very nasty, then it got, then it got, you know, they made up, then it got nasty again. <laughs> and so I think he would just sort of be out front much more than uh, you would anticipate, say, uh, Mike, Mike Illich or Christopher Illich would be. You know, I, and I wonder if that might actually help him. Because I, I think if you think about Dan Gilbert and the, the arc of his, uh, his involvement in Detroit, you know, it, it's taken some strange turns. And this was a guy who everybody was really excited to see come to the city, bring his business down here when he announced it. I guess that was 2009, I think, uh, when when he and Kwame Kilpatrick and Jennifer Granholm had that big press conference. And he said, I'm moving downtown and I want everyone else to come with me, it was it was seen as a pretty risky move. It was seen as something that that might spark the kind of revitalization of downtown that we've actually seen. You know, I hear a lot of people today, ten years later, really grousing about uh, how much he owns, uh, the influence that he has, uh, the idea that uh, that maybe he's. Uh, a greedy overlord who's uh, just uh, you know uh, uh, collecting properties and is not doing enough for the city and and I mean there are lots of reasons I think that we've ended up there and 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 uh, there are lots of things that uh, that I, he doesn't probably control about that image but I wonder if owning a sports team would 
put him back in in a, in a more positive light. I don't know. Uh, you know, yeah. we're, we're hard on owners around here, though. We, I, I think we are, <laughs> and it, it, Detroit likes controversy too. Right. Uh, like the time we argued about you know the image on top of Little Caesars Arena. Right. Uh, you know, right. All that sort of stuff. Uh, you know, I think Gilbert's done a lot for the city. He's gotten a lot. Uh, the tax breaks that the Michigan state of Michigan has approved for his new projects. The Hudson site and the, and the Monroe block. And those are the most generous tax breaks ever granted in the state of Michigan. Yes. But he's also done a lot. We now have 17,000 more workers that belong to his companies, work for his companies, uh, that we didn't have uh, just eight years ago. Uh, he has fixed up all these half-empty skyscrapers. And interestingly, and he doesn't get enough credit for this, I think, he's a lot of the streetscape improvements downtown, the improvements to Campus Martius, and all that sort of stuff. He's been pretty instrumental in that too. So yeah, he's gotten a lot out of Detroit and, and it is sort of, um, uh, you know, worrisome in a way that one guy controls so much. There's never been somebody like that. Uh, we've had, you know, uh, Penske and Al Taubman and Henry Ford II and all these corporate benefactors, but there's never been anyone who had the impact, not even the Illages have had the impact that Gilbert has. And that's a little worrisome that he controls so much. Mm-hmm. But I think that he's given a lot to the city, and I think that it's 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 not by the the people who say, oh, I, you know, he's just a greedy billionaire. I don't think that's a valid criticism. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and my guest is John Gallagher. He's a business columnist at the Detroit Free Press. We're talking about Dan Gilbert's big week. He sold Greektown Casino. There are rumors that he may be interested in buying the Detroit Tigers. And then at the end of the week, we learned that his one of his holding companies, Purchased Dictionary.com and Thesaurus.com. Uh, we're talking about the influence that he has over the city and what these moves might mean for uh, the future of his influence over the city. If you want to join the conversation, give us a call. Tell us what you think of the, the news this week about what Dan Gilbert is up to in Detroit. Uh, also, give us a call. Tell us what role you think he's playing in a bigger sense in our city. Are you happy to see him owning as much as he does in downtown Detroit? Are you happy to see him as involved in civic decisions about our city as he is? Uh, Or are you worried that uh, that's maybe too much power for one person? Uh, As always, the number on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. And we'll work you into the conversation. Uh, John, I, I think part of the, the narrative about um, Dan Gilbert, it, it gets caught up in the narrative about race mm-hmm. around here. Mm-hmm. And I've said before, and this is kind of fantastical because it's not possible, but uh, if he were African-American, if you had an African-American who was that wealthy and was able to do the things that he's done in downtown Detroit, I think people would uh, in the city would respond really differently to that. Um, I, I know enough about Dan to know that that's a difficult thing for him to understand or relate to. He doesn't really want to talk a whole lot about race and racism and history and things like that. Uh, but I think, you know, the the space that he occupies around here almost requires that uh, he answer those things and that he sort of respond to this, these questions about, is he, for instance, locking out other African-Americans who might have interest in a little piece of this downtown revitalization and, and what that might mean in a city 
with the kind of history we have. Yeah, well, well, certainly are questions about the two Detroits and who's benefiting, and is it just downtown? Uh, those are all uh, provoked, I think, and enhanced by Gilbert's move downtown and the fact that almost all of his, uh, even though he has a diverse workforce, all, it's downtown is much whiter than it used to be, uh, all these young millennials uh, and so on. He points out that when he moved downtown, he had... 75 of his workers living in the city. Now he's got about 3,500. So there's some of that. Um, But yeah, certainly that has provoked a lot of these questions about gentrification and who's benefiting and the fact that prices are going up, housing prices and real estate prices and parking prices are all all going up. And and his moves have been a big part of that. I think that um, he, you know, he still lives in the suburbs, uh, sends his kids to suburban schools. When we ask him, he says, well, the Detroit schools are not to the point where I'm going to send my kids there. Um, you know, so, He's not alone in that kind of calculation. No, not at all. Yeah. Not at all. Um, so I think that uh, you know, those are legitimate questions. And I think that uh, gets to the larger question about where Detroit is right now and where you know, who's benefiting. Yeah. I mean, I, it's also, I think, fair to, to sort of acknowledge that I think people both ascribe too much of – uh, the credit for what's happened in Detroit to Dan Gilbert, and they want to affix too much blame to him for the things that aren't that aren't right. And that's, the, I mean, that's just the nature of having done what he did, which was not just move here and move his headquarters here, but you know, uh, buy up as much property as he did. I mean, he really became a solo act in this in this regard in a way that I I never anticipated, and I don't think. He necessarily anticipated. I mean, you go back to that first conference, that first press conference they had. He was talking about who's coming with me uh, to downtown Detroit. I think he saw it more as a cooperative effort. No one else showed up. Right. Yeah. For a long time. Um, you know, I don't. I don't think. To be fair, I don't think Dan would claim that he's the savior of the city. Uh, a lot of people say that, but I don't think he would claim that. And I certainly don't think that. I think if the New York go, Times seems to think that, though. Right, right. If you well, and when he was introduced at City Lab the other day by Richard Florida, he said, you know, Dan has spearheaded the comeback of the city. Um, I think if you look at the role of philanthropy, the role of the uh, nonprofit uh, community uh, neighborhood groups like uh, you know Southwest Detroit Business and Vanguard and You Snap Back and all the others, um, I think the urban farmers in the city. Uh, I think the fact that the city spun off a lot of its failing operations like Kobo and Eastern Market uh, to these nonprofit conservancies, all that had an enormous impact on on Detroit's uh, revitalization. And Gilbert has certainly played a big part, especially in the downtown, almost exclusively in sure. the downtown. But um, I don't think uh, anyone would, who, who really follows it would say that he is the savior of the city. Yeah. And he's also done a lot in neighborhoods that people don't necessarily know about and doesn't get a lot of attention. I mean, he's he's yeah. tried a lot of things to try to help Detroiters buy houses, uh, to try to stop the spread of blight in, in, in certain places, and, and that stuff gets less attention than the flashier stuff uh, downtown and, of course, the, the, the big skyscraper that's going up, which right. has exactly. everybody's attention. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. Uh, or go to the WDET Facebook page, put comments there, or to Twitter and hashtag us. Let's start with Mike in Detroit. Mike, welcome to Detroit today. Hey, how are you doing today, Steve? Good. How are you? I'm okay. I wanted to say I, I think this sale of Greektown Casino is more – uh, to project the, or the, the offset to project the losses that he's going to have from the House Canary lawsuit, where he was, uh, he tried to sue 
uh, this software company that analyzed real estate data for $5 million to back out of that deal and ended up getting a countersuit that was awarded for $740 million recently, uh, earlier this year. And uh, that's what I think this, that there's kind of like a knee-jerk reaction to uh, that absorbent amount that he's mm. going to have to pay. Huh. Uh, mm. So you, you feel like he needed the cash to maybe pay off the lawsuit, is, is, is your thinking, Mike? Is that Looks right? like when you look into the details of the lawsuit, uh, there's a lot of whistleblowers on his company, Amrock, that came out that, that kind of said that, hey, they they took the algorithms from this company and created their own software and then tried to dock out of the $5 million deal, dollar deal that they had, that mm. they contracted with. Mm. Uh, Mike, that's, uh, that's uh, an interesting detail that I was not necessarily all that aware of. John, is that is that a possible yeah. explanation for this sale? Yeah, Mike raises an interesting point. This is a Texas case in which it was a trade secrets case in, involving uh, Amrock, which is the former title source, which is one of his title insurance companies, one of his many companies. And uh, there was a judgment against them that it's now up to $740 million. Uh, he is fighting that aggressively and may yet win and, and, and not have to pay anything. But that's out there on the horizon, along with the uh, Department of Justice uh, case, which alleges <clears throat> that Quicken Loans, um, you know, did some uh, uh, funny things with uh, FHA uh, insured mortgages back uh, leading up to the Great Recession. He is defending himself very vigorously there, uh, thinks that it's just a shakedown by by the government, which others others have said, too. So he may yet beat that one. But he's potentially at least facing some big penalties out there from these two cases. And and there's some speculation that that, in fact, is why uh, he might need some more liquidity. Right. I mean, you need cash if, uh, if you lose those suits. Right. right. Uh, OK, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to continue our conversation about the moves that have been made by Dan Gilbert this week, as well as his place here in our city. We're going to talk about his acquisition of Dictionary and Thesaurus.com. Also, we'll talk about Amazon HQ2, which he spearheaded Detroit's bid to try to get that here. We found out this week where it was going to end up. Stay with us and stay with us on the phones. 313-577-1019 is the number. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. This is Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for joining us. My guest right now is John Gallagher. He's a business columnist for the Detroit Free Press. We're talking about the things that Dan Gilbert, the billionaire who owns so much of downtown Detroit, did this week. He sold Greektown Casino. Uh, There are rumors that he might be interested in owning the Detroit Tigers. And he bought Dictionary.com and Thesaurus.com. We're talking about what all those moves might mean and what they sort of say about sort of his place uh, in our city right now. If you want to join the conversation, give us a call. 313-577-1019 is the number. Tell us what you think about Dan Gilbert and the things that he's doing in our city. Uh, Tell us what you think that influence is. Is it all for the better? Or are there things that concern you about one person uh, doing so much, owning so much in uh, a city like Detroit? You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll try to work you into 
the conversation. Also, stay tuned uh, for a little bit of fun at the at the end of the show or the tail end of the show today at about nine forty. We're going to start talking about. Christmas music, and we're not going to talk about the songs that you love. We're going to talk about the songs that you hate. I think everybody has a Christmas tune that they just can't stand and can't seem to get away from this time of year. We're starting to see uh, radio stations turn to playing Christmas music in advance of Thanksgiving. So that's going to get started about 940. Uh, John, uh, I want to talk about dictionary.com and thesaurus.com. These seem to me to come out of nowhere. I thought uh, that Gilbert had a little fun in the press release uh, with words, uh, using words that we often don't often hear from him to describe all of this. What's your read of, of why this was interesting to him? Yeah, this was, uh, this was an odd one and surprised us. And at first we thought it was a joke when we started to see his tweets yesterday. Uh, <laughs> well, I, I would say possibly two things. One is uh, it could be an advertising play since these are two pretty well-visited websites with a lot of online ads. So he may want to get some uh, uh, in sort of instant ad revenue, getting back to liquidity. Uh-huh. That's one possibility. The other possibility is data. Uh, these kind of sites collect a lot of data. And as we know from reading about Facebook and Ford and everybody else, everybody's collecting and selling data about all of us right now. Mm-hmm. And, um, and his primary business, the mortgage business, really is, relies on data. It's all about data. Yeah. Uh, he also owns the Rob Report, which is that sort of high-end magazine for wealthy yachts and homes and things. So it's not totally out of his out of his uh, lane, but it is it does seem a bit odd and uh, so we'll see. We'll see what he makes of it. Uh, at the same time, you know, he's a quirky personality and somebody who has uh, interests that aren't necessarily obvious given uh, the the sort of primary work he's involved in, and and you know I think he's somebody who uh, who takes gambles with with that curiosity sometimes and says, well, this is interesting. Well, let's see how this this might work. Yeah, and you know he's he actually had dozens of these little spinoff companies. The famous ones are StockX, which is the sneaker exchange, which is doing and, really well, doing really well, uh, or, or at least adding a lot of people. Three hundred workers already mm-hmm. after two years. And Rocket Fiber, which is the uh, high-speed broadband. Um, uh, but he's got dozens of others, uh, all kinds of weird little stuff. And as you said, he's very curious. He's an owner, entrepreneur, founder, uh, which tends to mean he follows his passions. Uh, he's deeply involved in all of his businesses. Uh, and uh, maybe not always the easiest guy to work for. But uh, <laughs> I will say everybody over there, when I talk to the people at Bedrock, for example, everyone seems to be upbeat. Um, the office seems to have a sense of, uh, you know, we're on the cutting edge. We're really making things happen. So, uh, yeah, this could just fit in with just a guy with a lot of money and a lot of curiosity and a lot of willing to gamble. Mm. Uh, again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. Let's go to Aaron in Detroit. Aaron, welcome to Detroit today. Hey, thank you. Uh-huh. Hey, Stephen. Um, I'm calling to see if there's a place in the conversation for um, folks and other developers in the city who are maybe contending for Dan Gilbert's um, spot and his uh, just kind of like that guy Philip Kafta. He's developing those huts over there in Core City and also owns the restaurant Takoy. Like, mm-hmm. do you all think that um, Dan is feeling that um, that competition at all, or or where where does that fit here in the conversation? Hmm. Yeah. That's an interesting question. I mean, I, yeah. I hear I have a lot of conversations with people. Sometimes developers, sometimes uh, just people in the community who are really worried about that question. You know, is there space for other people now that that Gilbert owns so much of downtown? And and you know, whatever his personality was, 
he he now has a, a reason to defend against other people coming in because he owns so much. I mean, it, it, there, there's sort of a, a self-perpetuating effect, I, I think, of buying more and more things that 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 you it's to your advantage to keep other people out. Uh, there are also, again, racial overtones there. I mean, there are a lot of black developers in Detroit who struggled for a really long time to to try to do things in downtown. A lot of them weren't as capitalized. Well, no one's as capitalized as, as Dan Gilbert was. I think a lot of them feel like they were left out of this. Yeah, uh, Aaron, uh, good question. I think that, um, you know, it, it, it's fair to say going back many years, there's always been the sense that Detroit development was the province of a few favored developers. I mean, we, we've been hearing that for 20, 25 years now. That's true. That economic growth or various mayors always had their favorite developers, black or white or whatever. Um, and and so that that's one thing. There's always been the sense that um, that the small developer can't get in, in the game in Detroit. Um, you know, the fact that Gilbert owns a good portion of downtown now, um, at least 100 Parcels that does ace out other people who want to get into downtown. Of course, it's a big city, and there's a lot of other parcels, and he 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 doesn't go much beyond downtown. So, um, in terms of ownership, in terms of ownership, yeah, yeah. So I, I, you know, I think there's a there's still a lot of room in the game, but um, certainly if if you're playing downtown, he's the he's the big guy on the block. So. I, we talked a little bit about this earlier, but but I, I, I want you to expand a little on what you see as the dangers of having one person own so much. And and the thing that immediately comes to my mind is that you know, none of us knows how long we'll be here. If something were to happen that that uh, that took Dan Gilbert himself out of the picture, I always wonder, well, what would this look like if if there was uh, if there were other people uh, involved in making these decisions? Would they pull back a little? Would they hedge a little bit more in terms of that investment? And that that would change things. Uh, but but I'm curious what you think are are sort of the the hazards of having so much reliance on one person. Yeah, uh, great point, Stephen. You know, the old saying about don't put all the eggs in one basket. Sure. Uh, this is what we're talking about. Uh, and I think that, uh, you know, his, his, his main company, Quicken Loans, if something happens there, if interest rates really spike and, and people don't do mortgages, what does that mean for him? Uh, what happens if some of these lawsuits go against him? Uh, what happens if something happens to him uh, personally? You know, he had a charity thing a couple of years ago where people could rappel down the side of the first national building, pay a thousand dollars and rappel down this, whatever, 25 story building. And he did it himself. And uh, I said, you know, does your wife and or your insurance broker know you did this? Uh, so, um, yeah, I think that that's the main danger that if something happens to him or his companies, what does that mean for Detroit? Uh, there's also a sense of uh, uh, as much as he's done for downtown, I think there's a sense of exclusion that he's the only player or he and the Illages are the only players. We have Gilbertville and Illageville, mm-hmm. um, and that that raises problems about equity and who's you know who can be involved. Um, so I, I think on balance, if you, if you look on the balance, we're certainly happy he's here and he's done a lot for the city. Uh, but it doesn't come without some some costs. Yeah. Uh, thanks very much for the call and the question, Aaron. Let's go to Carol in Detroit. Carol, welcome to Detroit today. Hi. Hey. I think that Gilbert deserves a lot of credit for what he's done in the um, downtown area. However, I think there is um, some cause for concern 
about um, the ability for other people to be involved in the um, development, not only within the city of Detroit, but outside of it. You have to remember that Gilbert also owns one of the largest mortgage companies in the country, Mm -hmm. and he has a huge impact on those persons that are able to buy outside of the uh, downtown area um, in terms of how much equity they, they have access to and ability to um, you know, purchase properties and perhaps redevelop. And that includes home, not only individual homeowners, but uh, small developers as well. Hmm. Uh, Carol, that's a great that's a great point. And it's one of the things that uh, I think people are legitimately concerned about. Uh, his his interest in the neighborhood so far, John, as far as I know, has has all been about helping to try to uh, redevelop or or I guess shore up uh, the decay that uh, that's that's happened and and make it a little easier for people to buy homes. Uh, but but is there a concern that that that's a little too close to his core business? Is you know that he's selling mortgages really is 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 his job. Does that raise any sort of conflict, I guess? Well, I have heard lots of people say that, um, you know, he's buying up land um, so we can, um, or, or, or flooding the market with, with bad mortgages to, so we can foreclose on people and seize their land. I mean, there's a lot of this, uh, some of it verges into conspiracy theory. Um, he, you know, he has done, uh, as you mentioned earlier, he, he led the Blight Task Force, paid for uh, the mapping of Blight in the city. He does have some mortgage programs trying to make mortgages more available in the city. That's a major, major issue in Detroit's neighborhoods. People can't get mortgage money or rehab money, and he's working on that. Uh, Those are tough issues with the level of poverty we have in the city and so on. Those are tough issues. So I think, um, you know, it may be asking a lot to, you know, expect one guy to um, solve those kind of problems. But, um, you know, they do do raise questions about, you know— what is he doing, uh, you know, beyond downtown, yeah. I suppose? Yeah. Okay, John Gallagher, business columnist at the Detroit Free Press. Always great to chat with you here on Detroit Today. Thank you, Stephen. Anytime. Thanks for being here. All right, up next, we're going to continue our conversation and talk about the absolute worst Christmas songs. What Christmas song drives you up the wall this time of year? Uh, 313-577-1019. We'll talk about the ones that bug us here in the studio, and we'll want to hear from you. Stay with us on Detroit Today.